Welcome to Kelly Dry's Full Spectrum Podcast, bringing together thought leaders in the technology, media, and telecommunications industries to discuss legal issues that are expected to impact today's organizations and tomorrow's marketplace. Show notes and additional episodes are available at kellydryfullspectrum.com. For more in-depth commentary, head to our blog at comlawmonitor.com. This podcast is produced by the Kelly Dry Communications Practice Group. On today's episode of Full Spectrum, Winifred Brantle will be discussing the Commission's proposed significant changes to the International Section 214 regime, and Mike Dover will be discussing the Commission's proposals relating to the Wireless Emergency Alert Program. Thanks, Madison. Last Thursday, the Commission adopted an order and notice of proposed rulemaking that promises to radically reinvent the framework under which international Section 214 authority is regulated. The scope of services for which this authority is required, international common carrier services originating or terminating in the United States, is not an issue in this proceeding. However, almost every aspect of the authorization lifecycle is being reworked. The results promise to substantially increase the compliance burden for carriers and in some cases to complicate their investment and transactional strategies. Right now, this is a situation of a few knowns and a lot of open questions. The order is the known. Concisely, it mandates a one-time data request for ownership information to all holders of international Section 214 authority. This should play out in a few months, and except for the administrative hassles, may not be an especially painful task. The NPRM, however, raises a lengthy list of possibilities. The encompassing scope of these ensures that the FCC will have provided sufficient notice for whatever they eventually adopt, but recognition that they might adopt quite a few of the proposals is enough to give one pause. So how did we get to this point? Frankly, there has long been recognition that the current international Section 214 process lacks standardized post-grant follow-up or monitoring, essentially allowing a company to obtain the license and then essentially drop out of sight indefinitely. A 2020 report from a subcommittee of the U.S. Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Government Affairs emphasized the urgency of implementing some methods to reliably monitor changes to international Section 214 carriers' foreign ownership. The concern was further elevated by FCC proceedings involving carriers deemed to be agents of the Chinese government. It's clear that the driving motivation for the NPRM's proposed changes is the urgent need to better equip the commission to collaborate with the executive branch agencies, AKA the committee or team telecom, in addressing concerns of national security, as well as law enforcement, foreign policy, and or trade policy. The FCC also acknowledged that as many as two-thirds of the approximately 7,400 international Section 214 authorizations on record may be held by defunct or otherwise non-operational entities. So the process ahead will also serve the purpose of helping the FCC to clean up the rolls, so to speak. What happens next? As mentioned, the order mandates a one-time data collection of reportable foreign ownership from every international Section 214 holder. The ownership information collected will inform the SAP's planning for and implementation of such new and revised rules as the FCC adopts following the NPRM. It also will serve as a veritable census-taking or pulse check 
of the International Section 214 holders. Every officially listed International Section 214 holder, as of the response filing deadline, bar none, must respond to this request. Pursuant to a proposal in the NPRM, carriers that do not respond in a timely manner to the data request will face revocation of their International Section 214 authority, as well as possible forfeitures. The data request process will require Paperwork Reduction Act approval by the Office of Management and Budget, followed by notices in the Federal Register and an FCC public notice, confirming the effective date of the information collection, the response filing deadlines, and providing instructions how to submit responses. There will be at least 30 days between completion of the OMB review and the response filing deadline. Taking these steps into account, it should be at least a couple of months before the data request responses are due. A reasonable estimate would be in June or shortly into the third quarter of the year. That said, carriers should have this task on their radar screen. The data request seeks the ownership information required under Rule 6318H for those foreign interest holders that hold such equity and or voting interest, a.k.a. reportable foreign ownership. The carrier responses will be separated in several groups based on the nature of the foreign ownership, particularly identifying carriers with any reportable foreign interests from a foreign adversary country as defined by the Department of Commerce regulations. That is China, including Hong Kong, Cuba, Iran, North Korea, Russia, and the Maduro regime. This breakout of responses foreshadows and will facilitate the proposed prioritization of later renewals and or reviews as raised in the NPRM. Meanwhile, the NPRM comment cycle will launch 30 days after federal register publication with reply comments 30 days later, and likely will draw significant input from industry participants. The NPRM is quite extensive with far more substantive discussion than can be fully addressed here, but there are particularly significant items among the NPRM proposals and requests for comment. First, responding to the lack of international Section 214 post-grant follow-up or monitoring, the FCC proposes to adopt a 10-year renewal requirement for all international Section 214 authorization holders. Carrier's failure to file by the renewal deadline would result in expiration of the authorization. In connection with this, the FCC further proposes to prioritize renewal applications to focus on carriers with foreign ownership as being of the greatest concern for the FCC and the executive branch agencies, the length of time since the last review of the authorization, that is, initial grant, modification, assignment, or transfer of control, whether the authorization is subject to a mitigation agreement, noting that older mitigation agreements tended to be broader in scope and less facilitative of effective team telecom verification, and carriers with no reportable foreign ownership whose applications raise other issues of concern for the FCC and the executive branch agencies. The FCC also proposes to routinely refer to the executive branch agencies the renewal application of those carriers with reportable foreign ownership and those without foreign ownership that nonetheless raise other national security, law enforcement, or policy concerns. In the alternative, rather than adopting a 10-year renewal framework, the FCC seeks comment whether it should instead adopt a three-year periodic review framework, requiring submission of the same information as would be required for a renewal application and with the same prioritization as proposed for the renewal protocol. Next, the FCC in its NPRM addresses the information required in Section 214 application filings and expands the list. Regarding the scope of ownership information, 
the FCC proposes to adopt a new ownership reporting threshold, specifically disclosure of 5% or greater direct and indirect equity and voting interests instead of disclosure current 10% level. Significant comments sought in connection with this include whether the FCC should require information beyond reportable interest holders, such as that concerning management agreements, whether to treat disclosure of certain interests between 5% and just below 10% as presumptively confidential, whether to have carriers file the information between 5% and just below 10% only with the committee, whether to limit the lower disclosure level only to foreign interest holders or narrow it even further to holders associated only with foreign adversary countries. The FCC also proposes to expand the information required in these applications regarding current and or expected future services in geographic markets. In contrast to the more flexible discussions and applications today, the FCC proposes requiring applicants to provide specific information, which subject to staff requests would include details of the applicant's current and future services, markets, customers, and provisioning, i.e. owned facilities, IRUs, leasehold interests, or resale. The significant comment sought here is whether the FCC should instead simply require this to be submitted on as-needed basis. Next, the FCC proposes to require applicants, including those without reportable foreign ownership, to identify any foreign-owned Managed Network Service Providers, or MNSPs, with which they operate. The NPRM proposes that any applicant, regardless of its foreign ownership or otherwise, that indicates it, its plans to use and or its current use of foreign-owned MNSPs would be routinely referred to the executive branch agencies for review. In addition, the FCC proposes that applicants be required to provide information about cross-border facilities the facilities that a holder uses or will use to provide Section 214 services between the United States and Canada or Mexico. The proposal requires fairly granular details, including address and coordinates for the facilities, owner information for each facility, identification of the equipment to be used, and more. Significant comments sought in connection with this requirement. Are there other viable sources for critical infrastructure information? And very significantly, should applicants also be required to provide this information about their non-common carrier facilities for cross-border purposes? Note, the FCC is also proposing to conduct a one-time information collection concerning cross-border facilities 60 days after the effective date of the rule, which is after OMB approval. Finally, as in addition to the current Section 214 application scope, the FCC proposes to require additional certifications concerning applicants' commitment and practices for cybersecurity standards, whether or not they use equipment or services included in the Commission's covered list of equipment and services, which is established in connection with the Secure and Trusted Communications Network Act, regarding their compliance with FCC rules and regulations, the Communications Act, and a not terribly well-defined other laws. Following this, the FCC proposes to ensure the currency of information by requiring updates. In tandem with the proposed renewal protocol, the NPRM further proposes to require and or seeks comments on requiring that carriers submit updated information filings every three years, including ownership information, cross-border facilities information, service and geographic market information, details of their data storage facilities, 
foreign locations where U.S. records are stored and from where their U.S. infrastructure is or can be accessed, controlled, and owned, and the countries in which their employees, subsidiaries, and or offices are currently located. Also to be included would be certifications regarding cybersecurity standards, use of covered list equipment or services, regulatory compliance, and other information. Significant points for comments on this regard. As an alternative, should carriers instead provide updated information only when there is a material change in ownership or other relevant information? And also, which information should be referred to the executive branch agencies for review? The NPRM also includes additional proposals for management of international Section 214 authorizations. First, it proposes to adopt a rule that would, with few exceptions, limit carriers to holding a single international Section 214 authorization. More controversially, it proposes to adopt a use-it-or-lose-it rule that would require new international Section 214 authorization holders to commence service pursuant to the authority within one year following grant, similar to other FCC licenses with deadlines to build out and or operate. In the absence of a notice of operations or a good cause waiver filing, the FCC proposes to cancel those authorizations. Significant point for comment on this issue, should this be extended to current international Section 214 holders, and should they be required to certify to their operations within one year of the rule taking effect? It's worth noting, moreover, that the FCC proposes to adopt a general presumption that the International Section 214 Authority of Carriers that fail to meet compliance filing requirements may be canceled where, for example, there are no other signs that the carrier is still operating. Public notice would be released regarding the proposed cancellation, allowing 30 days for the holder to respond. Moreover, the FCC also proposes to revise the International Services Discontinuance Rule such that any authorization holder that permanently discontinues service provided pursuant to their International Section 214 Authority must notify the commission and must surrender the authorization. Currently, where the carrier does not have affected customers, it is not required to do so, and this leads to retention of inactive authorizations. Significant point for comment on this issue is the FCC's proposal to define permanent discontinuance of service as a period of three consecutive months during which an authorization does not provide any service pursuant to its international Section 214 authority. Finally, to reflect those of its proposals that are eventually adopted, the FCC proposes a number of administrative revisions and conforming changes to Parts 1 and 63 of the Commission rules. As Commissioner Rosenworcel said at the open meeting in her statement regarding this order in NPRM, the first duty of the public servant is public safety. In the interest of securing and supporting public safety, national security, and foreign and trade policy considerations, the NPRM adopted by the commissioners proposes major changes in the way that the FCC and the industry will collaborate regarding international common carrier services. Only time will reveal how successful these proposals will be, and at the same time, how challenging they will prove to industry participants. Also in its April open meeting, the commission adopted a further notice of proposed rulemaking or F and PRM seeking comments on proposals to improve wireless emergency alerts or WIA messages, including by making WIA messages more accessible, uh, including to people who primarily speak a language other than English or Spanish, and to people with disabilities who cannot access messages displayed in conventional formats, increasing the flexibility of 
WIA authorities regarding whether the alert attention signal and vibration is triggered, providing greater transparency regarding where and on what devices alerting authorities offer WIA, as well as information about WIA performance and establishing performance measures. As background, WIA messages are geographically targeted emergency alert system alerts and warnings sent by authorized federal, state, and local governments to WIA-capable mobile devices of participating commercial mobile service providers, referred to as participating CMS providers. WIA program is voluntary. However, if a CMS provider elects to participate, it must adhere to the Commission's technical and operational requirements for the program. The Commission's FNPRM first addresses increasing the accessibility of WIA messages by proposing that participating CMS providers ensure that the WIA-capable mobile devices they sell have the capability to translate the language of alert messages and can support multimedia content. With regard to additional language availability for alerts, the FNPRM notes that approximately 26 million people living in the United States do not primarily speak English or Spanish and are at risk for not understanding potentially life-saving alert messages because the alerts are not transmitted in their language. The Commission proposes to address this by requiring participating CMS providers to ensure that mobile devices can translate alerts into the 13 most commonly spoken languages in the United States, aside from English, based on the user's device default language preferences using machine translation technologies. The additional proposed languages are Spanish, Chinese, Tagalog, Vietnamese, Arabic, French, Korean, Russian, Haitian Creole, German, Hindi, Portuguese, and Italian. The Commission seeks comments on the technical feasibility of its proposal and whether additional or different languages should be included. As an alternative approach, the Commission seeks comment on promoting the use of multilingual WIA messages rather than translations. This approach is used by the New York City Emergency Management Department and displays an English language message along with a link to 13 other pre-scripted translations drafted by native speakers. The commission seeks comments on whether to use a similar approach, but instead, pre-scripted translations for the most common alerts which would be pre-installed and stored in mobile devices, eliminating the need for users to click on a URL. The FNPRM seeks comments on that proposal. In addition, the Commission seeks comment on whether and how WIA messages might be improved to provide support for American Sign Language consumers and separately whether text-to-speech functionality for blind or low-vision subscribers can be incorporated into the Commission's accessibility proposals. The Commission proposes to set a compliance date of 30 months after the publication of the final rules in the Federal Register for its language accessibility proposals and seeks comment on that timeline. 
With respect to multimedia accessibility, the Commission proposes to require support for certain multimedia content in WIA messages, such as images and location-aware maps, and proposes to sunset aspects of its existing WIA message requirements to free up bandwidth to support the capability. Currently, alerting authorities do not have the ability to send multimedia content through WIA messages, but alerting authorities have stated that the ability to send multimedia content would improve emergency planning and response, provide essential information during emergencies, could be used to personalize information and improve message comprehension for people with disabilities and function as a way to reach people who do not speak English. The commission therefore proposed to, in the F and PRM to require participating CMS providers to support WIA messages with thumbnail-sized images, such as including a picture with an Amber Alert, um, and also proposes to permit location-aware maps and proposes the inclusion of a standardized set of hazard symbols to include it with the WIA line for compliance for multimedia accessibility of 36 months after the application of the rules uh, in the Federal Register and seeks comments on that timeline. In addition, the Commission proposes in the FNPRM to allow alerting authorities to have more flexibility in how WIA messages are presenting, principally to accommodate different types of emergencies while ensuring that people with disabilities are afforded access to that emergency information. For example, the commission rules currently do not give alerting authorities control over how mobile devices present the WIA or the vibration to the mobile device that accompanies the alert. The commission's FNPRM proposals would allow participating CMS providers to be able to send WIA messages without triggering the audio, audio attention signal or the vibration. For example, in the FNPRM, the Commission details how custom messages may be helpful in certain emergency circumstances, such as an alert without an audio attention signal during an active shooter event. The Commission proposes to require participating CMS providers and mobile device manufacturers to comply with these requirements within 30 months of the rules publication of the Federal Register and seeks comments on that timeline as well. The Commission also seeks comment on whether its current rules governing state and local WIA messages are impeding the ability of emergency managers to fully understand how WIA operates within their unique jurisdictions. The Commission's current rules authorize participating CMS providers to transmit a state and local WIA test message, which consumers must affirmatively opt into. Alerting authorities, therefore, cannot conduct an end-to-end -end WIA test where members of the public receive the test message by default, unless the alerting authority seeks a waiver of the Commission's rules to conduct that test. The Commission states that it's identified numerous circumstances where it would be beneficial for consumers to WIA test messages by default without conducting uh, waiver case-by-case -case evaluations. Uh, therefore, the Commission 
in the FNPRM proposes to authorize participating CMS providers to support up to two end-to-end WIA tests per alerting authority each where consumers receive test messages by default, provided that the alerting authority conducts outreach and notifies the public in advance of the planned WIA test, and that no emergency is in fact occurring at that time, includes in its test message that the alert is only a test, coordinates the test with participating CMS providers, state and local emergency authorities, relevant state emergency communications committees, and first responder organizations, and provides notification to the public in widely accessible formats that the test is only a test. The commission proposes compliance uh, related to the proposal uh, for these requirements 30 days after Public Safety and Homeland Security Bureau issues a public notice announcing OMB approval of any new information collection requirements associated with the proposed rule change. In addition, the FNPRM also details proposals designed to increase transparency through the creation of a WIA database. Currently, to access information about WIA's availability in a jurisdiction, alerting authorities and the public must review all of the WIA election letters filed with the commission. The commission proposes to change that by establishing a WIA database, which would be an interactive portal where all CMS providers submit information about the availability and performance of WIA on their networks and where information could be readily accessible to both alerting authorities and the public. In addition, the database would identify which CMS providers offer uh, WIA in specific geographic areas, the devices on which WIA is offered by that CMS provider, and CMS providers would be required to maintain a current record of that information in the database. Also, to improve the effectiveness of WIA, the Commission proposes to establish performance minimums uh, that participating CMS providers should satisfy for every WIA message that are listed in the FNPRM. The Commission also proposes reporting based on these performance minimums for each of the performance areas and seeks comments on the data set that should be submitted to the commission for reporting purposes, as well as comments on the sources of the data from which the reporting should be derived and when the information should be submitted. It's uh, important to note that the commission states that the data can likely be generated at the device level derived from data elements that participating CMS providers can potentially log, such as unique alert message identifiers, the geographic target area, and the opt-in status of the device, but seeks comments on that approach and steps that can be taken to protect privacy concerns. The Commission proposes a compliance date of 30 days after publication of final rules in the Federal Register or within 30 days of the Public Safety and Homeland Security Bureau's publication of a public notice announcing that the WIA database is ready to accept filings, whichever is later. In addition, the Commission proposes to require CMS providers to refresh their elections to participate in WIA 
using the WIA database within 30 days of the Public Safety and Homeland Security Bureau's publication of a public notice announcing OMB approval of any new information collection requirements. The Commission seeks comments on those proposals and timelines. After hearing testimony in support of the FNPRM from New York Attorney General Letitia James, the Commission unanimously adopted the FNPRM. Comments on the Commission's FNPRM will be due 30 days after it's published in the Federal Register, and reply comments will be due 60 days after publication. Uh, we'd like to all thank you for joining us on our first take of the Commission's actions at its April open meeting. Join us next time for the next edition of Full Spectrum. The views and ideas expressed on this program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of Kelly Dry and Warren LLP, its staff, or management.